0: Um we are in the middle of going through the Bali HaMaseira, The um what we call the masters of the tradition of the we
1: should mention Eloise's name just for like
0: physical learning. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Okay. okay. Um so we're, we're working our way through the tzaddikim who were entrusted with transmitting the Torah Shabal-peh from generation to generation, right? Um, I think this is our third class. Um, first, we talked in general about the general picture of Torah Shebeksav, the written Torah, the five books of Moshe and the 19 books of the Neviim um, and Ksuvim, the prophets and the writings. Um, but then primarily we're focusing on the oral tradition, which initially for many, many years, we talked about it for probably around 1,500 years, was transmitted orally from generation to generation through the tzaddikim um, and, and the Talmudic Chachamim and all the people who learned Torah. But there's always primarily one person who was entrusted to be the one in charge, so to speak, of any disputes or any questions, any halachic questions. Um, and he was the mekabel, the one who received the Torah from the generation before, and the one who is responsible for that transmission onward. And we discussed, we discussed that the Rambam, um, in his introduction to his magnum opus of halacha, goes through 40 generations. And he goes from Moshe Rabbeinu until those who completed the Babylonian Talmud, Ravina and Rav Ashi. And he goes generation by generation and names 40 people who were responsible for that transmission. And as I said last week, some of those people are very famous names that we all know of in, in, their, um, in, the way, in their capacity, whether it was a prophet or a king or a leader of Klal Yisrael. And some of them are less known, less uh, you know table names or household names. But nevertheless, they are the links in that tradition. Um, so very quickly, I believe last week we went through the first 10 steps of that tradition. Um, I'm just going to say the names very quickly. Uh, started, of course, with Moshe Rabbeinu, where everything begins. Um, the one who gave, who received from Moshe and became responsible after him was Yehoshua, famously. Um, after Yehoshua, the next one in that link is Pinchas. Again, I'm not saying any details now. This is all from last week. Um, but Pinchas, who is the son of, um, of Elazar, grandson of Aaron HaKohen, and he's number three in that list. Number four in that list is Eli HaKohen. Um, who is the Kohen Gadol, he's the one who played the pivotal role in the story of the birth of Shmuel, and he was also the teacher of Shmuel, Um, and that's Eli. (coughs) And number five is Shmuel. Shmuel, one of the great early prophets, one of the great prophets of the Jewish people, um, the one who anointed the first two kings of the Jewish people, Shaul and David, this is Shmuel Hanavi, so he is number five in the chain, the way Rambam writes it. After Shmuel comes another one of the most famous names in the Jewish people, and that is
1: David HaMelech,
0: David HaMelech right? David HaMelech.
1: No, Sha- no not Shlomo. Not Shlomo, Sha-
0: but David Hamelach, um, David Melach Israel Chai All kings after David are all um, descendants of his. Well, I shouldn't say that all, but the primary ones are Mashiach. Hardest anyway, right? <laughs> so David Hamelach is number six. Number seven is Achia Hashiloni one of the great prophets of Tanakh and someone who emerges in different times in history um, and he is he's number 7 followed by another of the most famous names in our history is Eliyahu Hanavi and he is number 8 in that um, chain of transmission after Eliyahu we have Eliyahu's primary disciple Elisha. and great Navi and that is Elisha um, of whom it's written in Tanakh that he is Pishnayim berucho that he who received a double measure of spirit of whatever Eliyahu had, and the Tanakh um, talks a lot about the miracles of Elisha, tremendous miracles of Elisha, Um, and he was again the disciple and successor to Eliyahu Hanavi, and number nine in that chain of transmission. which brings us to number 10. I believe we mentioned him last week in short, at the very end, someone named Yehoyada HaKohen. And he was a Kohen Gadol. Um, and de- definitely far less famous than uh, the predecessors, Eliyahu Navi or Elisha, or Shmuel. But nevertheless, in his period, he played a very significant role in Tanakh. Um, by the way, we're talking now well into the era of the first Beis HaMikdash. Now, the era of the first Beis HaMikdash began as a very wonderful era. Um, in fact, perhaps the most golden era of the Jewish people ever was that era right in the beginning of the building of the first Beis HaMikdash when Shlomo HaMelech is the king and David HaMelech has already vanquished all of our enemies and the Jewish people just lived in this tremendously peaceful, tranquil state and state of, of great holiness and prosperity, spiritual and physical, um, it, it's called the greatest time of our history until the coming of Mashiach when we had the first on Mikdash built however that time was very short lived um, it really only lasted for one generation because as soon as Shlomo Melech passes away then the Jewish people are going to split up into really what, what becomes two nations and it's hard for us to relate to that nowadays but the Jewish people really split up with two separate kings two different kingdoms and many times the two kingdoms were at war and there was a generation. There was the uh, section of the ten kings, the, the ten uh, um, tribes, and the two verses of the two tribes. Um, and again, all of this is related in great detail in Tanakh, but it's very hard to read. Um, very many terrible stories there, um, starting with a tremendous amount of idolatry, a tremendous amount of idolatry going on. And all this is while the base of is there. So you That's have cra- a base of so You have miracles in the base of Very difficult for us to relate to that time. Much has been written about it, but that is not what we are going to focus on. That's a totally different type of a conversation. But be that as it may, the next leaders of the Jewish people all led in such times. And the stories surrounding them are many times very, very bittersweet. And a lot of killing and a lot of dying, a lot of idolatry and a lot of war. Um, So just to give a little snippet perhaps as we go through each one of these great leaders. So Yehoyada Hakohen, who is number ten in the um, in the uh, transmission of Torah. So one of the very interesting roles that he plays is you have at that time um, the the um, his uh, Yehoyada's wife. So I wrote down, because all these names over here, I wrote down to remember um, Yehoyada's wife is going to hide a baby, who that baby is heir to the throne of the Jewish people. And he, she's going to hide him in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, in the Beis HaMikdash, because his grandmother, whose name is Atalia, Atalia was served as queen, queen mother, a very evil woman. Atalia is the daughter of one of the most evil kings in Jewish history, named Achav. Now Ahav is infamous, and he was idolatrous, and he was a mass murderer. He was one of the kings of the ten tribes, right? Remember, the ten tribes split from the two tribes. Oh, yeah. Ahav is one of the kings from the ten. His daughter, Atalia, marries a king of the two tribes. Ultimately, when her husband dies, she's going to kill out all of the heirs to the throne because she wants to rule on her own. And she was almost successful. She, the Tanakh says she poisons everyone, and she's almost successful. Aside from her grandson, who's one year old, who the Kohen Gadol and his wife whisk him away into the Kodesh HaKadoshim and he's going to spend six and a half years growing up in the Kodesh HaKadoshim The only time in our history that someone lived. Said.
1: Yeah, that's, but, that's,
0: that's, So the Kodesh HaKadoshim I've never is heard a place.
1: Sorry, ever.
0: Well, I just made it up tonight. <laughs> <laughs> this is a special first rendition. So the Kodesh Akadashim is the place where only the Kohen Gadol is allowed to go once a year. And here we have it becomes a bedroom of a toddler where the where this is Yoash. I don't remember Yohoyada. I
1: don't remember. remember were there toys in there? <laughs> There was a crew <laughs> back in
0: and, and You can go back home, you can look all this up. It's all in actual Tanakh. And I'm sure it's on I'm sure it's on Google too. Um, but Yoash spends the first six years of his life in the Kodesh Hakadosh. Yoash? Yoash, yes. Um, he's Yoash, the son of Ahaz Yahu, um, and he's there to escape the wrath of his grandmother again, who's this very evil woman, obviously. Oh um, and when he's seven years old, Yoho who's this person we're talking about, the Kohen godo brings him out and anoints him and calls all Klael Yisrael to rally behind him. He's anointed at six? Seven years old. Was well, his grandmother years old. still alive? She was, oh. and she comes to protest, and she's killed in that story. And this is, again, a lot of blood blood going on in Tanakh. <laughs> yeah, and she is, she is killed, and Yoash becomes a king of the Jewish people. She could
1: have been a regent. A what? A
0: regent. Which is?
1: That's which nice. is like... Um, runs the place. Huh? What? Yeah, she has the power, but the king yeah. is like, you know, he's a little, little guy. A little she little guy. could
0: have, this, this is what happened. Anyway, this is just a snippet of Yehoyada Hakohen. so he's the Kohen Gadol, he's the, the teacher of Torah the Jewish people, but he has to play a role in the political scene as well, and he's the one who saves the next king and really saves the continuation of Malchus Beis David, because this next king is the only one left, um, and ultimately, it's Yoash who, who brings him to kingdom. What's and not Yehosh, Yehoyada, Yehoyada the Kohen Gadol brings this child Yoash to be king.
1: He's the only living survivor at, the, at that
0: time of the of the Malchus based uh,
1: of the Davidic dynasty. Is that
0: a Yes, he is. He is. Oh wow. Okay, but all of that was just a side interesting story about the times. So number ten, number ten on our list is Yehoyada the Kohen Gadol. Okay, Yehoyada the Kohen Gadol ultimately pa- passes away, and his foremost disciple. And the one who becomes in charge after him is Zechariah. Oh. Zechariah, the son of Yehoiada, the Cohen, And Zechariah also serves as the Cohen and Cohen Gadol of his time. But again, this is a tumultuous time. Um, tumultuous time, and this is a, a very difficult time. And ultimately, Zechariah is going to be part of another very famous and very sad story of our history. And that is, Zechariah is going to be killed in the Beis HaMikdash on Yom Kippur by the Jewish people because he's rebuking them. Because he's rebuking them and he's saying prophecies of their ultimate downfall. And it's the story of Zechariah's blood that never comes. it's always remains miraculously on the, on the ground in the Beis HaMikdash until over 200 years later, when the Besam HaMikdash is going to be destroyed, in the time of Nebuchad Netzar. And this is a story that we talk about in Kinos, and the Lamentations, when we say on we talk about the story of the death of Zechariah and his blood that was on the floor of the Besam HaMikdash and what where that led to in a very devastating story during the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. Um, so that's Zechariah. Um, there's two zacharias in history, they shouldn't be confused. This is the Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada. He was a Kohen Gado, and he was the leader of the people in his time. And link, and, um, a link number 12 in this big number of 40 that we're working towards of the ones who transmitted the Torah Shabalpah, that is Zechariah. Zachariah was number 11. eleven. Thank you, thank you. Right, I was just, I just said that. To, I just said that to make sure. Right. Okay. So Zachariah is number eleven. Again, I want to distinguish and differentiate from a Zachariah who we're going to meet much later. Who's one of the last prophets? Chagai, Zechariah, Malachi. Oh, so it's not the same Zechariah, right? So this is not the same Zechariah because the Zechariah we're talking about now the oh, is in middle of the two hundred. Is, is in middle of the first Holy Temple, whereas the final Zechariah is at the very end and the destruction and coming back. So to differentiate between the two zacharias and he is known as Zechariah Hakohen, the one that we're talking about now. Okay. The next one in the chain, number 12, is Hosea. Not Yehoshua, but Hosea. And he is one of the Trey Um, What is Trey literally means in Aramaic 12. And there is 12 prophets that don't have a book of prophecy for themselves, but it's one big book that has 12, the story, of, the story or more so, the prophecies of 12 prophets. We're going to see... That about five or six of them, two, three, four, five, six of them, or seven of them, I'm sorry, seven of them are going to be on our list. Seven of those, seven out of the 12 of the Trey Usar are going to be on our list, which is the list of the Rambam of the transmission of Torah. So the first one is Hosea. Hosea ben Be'eri. His father's name was Be'eri. And he was a disciple of Zechariah. And he was a Bit Sadic He was from the tribe of Reuven. In fact, the Medrash says, the Medrash says, a beautiful Medrash in the Yalkut Shimoni, which is one of the Medrashim that we have. And it says that Hashem says, Hashem calls out and says, Reuven, you tried to return your brother to his father. Because, right? as you know, when Yosef was thrown into the pit, it was Ruvain who did what he could to try to return Yosef, though he was unsuccessful. So Hashem calls out to Ruven and says, you tried to return your son to your father. Nothing that a tzaddik tries to do doesn't, uh, goes on, um, you know, uh, crowned without success, ultimately. I think it doesn't get lost. doesn't get lost, well said. So therefore, a descendant of yours will return klal Yisrael to their father in heaven. And that's Hosea. Hosea ben Be'eri, who is this, again, a Navi that is not from the names that are, you know, we talk about all day. It's not a Navi, not Elisha. But again, he lives in this very difficult time. And he is a Navi that is very instrumental in bringing many, many yidden to Tshuva and teaching Torah to the Jewish people. So he is that link. Um, he's that link. In fact, according to Seder Hadoros, which is, Probably one of the earliest and oldest uh, story that we have in the basic history of the Jewish people says that he actually passed away in Bavel. Um, it's not clear why he was in Bavel at the time, but he was in Bavel outside of Israel, and he, he said, "I want to be buried in Israel." And they put his um, his casket on a camel, and the, and they went to Israel with that. And then the camel sort of started walking off on its own and brought him up to Tzfas, where he is buried. Mm-hmm. So that's the story that we have similar much later in history with the Rambam, a similar story. But that story says initially about this great tzaddik, Koshea, who is number twelve in this link of the transmission of Torah. Okay, which brings us to number thirteen, another one of the Tre'asah, and that is. Is
1: that in the same place where the Ari is? Left,
0: um, so I have to say, it's possible, I don't know. Not, um, I'm a Kohen and I don't go into know? a basic forest. Okay. That's a huge cemetery. I'm assuming uh-huh. that it would be in that area. Do we know where his grave, his grave today is or not? I don't know. Possibly, but I, I don't know the answer to that question. So you don't, you don't go to Ma'ara Samach Pele so is different because it's not so much graves, it's, it's, it's uh, caves. Um, and therefore there is many who say that Kohanim do go into Mara Machpelah, and I follow that. Okay. So, Kevrachl I will not go to, no. But Mara I will, and Turr Shun for the same reason. Those are the only two that I do go to. Again, discussion Rebbe, discussion for okay, itself. The Rebbe for a different reason altogether. The, Rebbe's, the Rebbe himself designed the kever of the previous Rebbe for a Kohanim to be able to go in there. That's why there's no roof. Right in that area, and there's that stone wall around the actual cavern uh-huh. So halakhically there's no problem with a kohen standing there. And the rebbe was the one who made that design for kohanim. So that's a different that's a different story. Okay, number thirteen on our list is a navi called Amos. Right, Amos again. Amos. amos with an ayin.
1: That's amos.
0: Yeah, amos. Amos, okay. In Hebrew, it's Amos, which is ayin mem vav samach. Ayin, Mem, Vav, Samach. And he is one of the Tre' Aser, one of those 12 short Nivim, um, with a number of chapters of prophecy. Um, most of the prophecies at that time are typically going to be prophecies of rebuke, prophecies of impending um, doom, and prophecies against those who are going to destroy us, that they will ultimately be destroyed, and prophecies of an ultimate geula, and that's really the story throughout those prophecies, talking about that. Colleagues, you also do tshuva, and if you don't do tshuva, this is going to happen, and then Hashem is going to punish those who will do that to you, and then ultimately there will be a geula. That's the the thread that runs through the prophecies. Some heavier to one side, some heavier to the other. I um, can just
1: remember that they weren't. It wasn't like Shmuel and Yehoshua. That it was malachim, It wasn't stories. It was. A, it was more that we had to take each puzzle and really understand what it meant. Right. Like in have before. Well, for to sure,
0: PASLook. for sure, and a lot of it's very poetic, very poetic.
1: Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. Brunner. I, st- I don't remember learning to, yes, sir
0: mm-hmm. It's not as it's much harder learning than Malachim that are just stories, for sure. Okay. okay. This, uh, this, you this take,
1: this uh, grade thirteen. You should call it back. i not Me me You're shy. You're shy. yeah. Yes. The oh, I don't
0: remember <laughs> Okay, the name yeah, Amos. Interestingly, the name Amos means to stutter. The actual name, and he he stuttered. He was a prophet, and his job was to teach, and yet he stuttered. Um, and some of our greatest prophets did, starting Moshe with Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu himself. But actually, that's that. Now, here, that brings us to another interesting thing. I just want to mention short. There is an interesting statement in the Gemara. The Gemara talks about that there are seven shepherds of the Jewish people. And that's something that we've heard of. Seven shepherds, we have the seven ushpizen. Okay, here we go again. That's sort of a common concept. But on top of that, the Gemara says that there are eight princes... Shmona Nesichei Adam. Eight people in history who had a certain princely uh, characteristic. And very interesting people are mentioned in that list, um, not the most famous leaders of the Jewish people. Um, and there's a lot of Kabbalistic meaning to that, and what's special about these eight Neshamas. One of them is Amos. <laughs> Of all people, of the eight people in history that made it to the list of the eight princes of the Jewish people, um, I'll say I'll mention it uh, uh, one time what who the eight names are. Most of them are not on our list, but there's Yishai, who is the David father Alice? of David. Oh, okay. There is Shaul, first king of the Jewish people. Those two were not on our list. Our transmission. There's Shmuel, who is on our list. There's Amos whom we just mentioned. There is Tsefania, who we'll get to, and he's on our list.
1: It's a street in Yerushalayim, who gets a Yeah, but it doesn't,
0: doesn't start from there. And then there is... <laughs> yeah, it
1: is. And
0: then, <laughs> and then there is Tzedkiyah, who's a king.
1: Tzedkiyahoo.
0: Tzedkiyahoo, who's not going to be on our list. And then there is Mashiach, Tzedkenu, who's not going to be on our list. And Eliyahu Hanavi, who is on our list. So you have nine. You just Did I just say nine? Yishai, Sha'ol, Shmuel, Amos, Tzfania. Tzidka M'shechel, It's Eight. That's eight. Yeah. eight. There's, eight oh, there's eight there. So this is a Gemara in the Mzach Sukkah that talks about eight special neshamas that had a certain princely quality above all other neshamas for reasons that the Gemara does not enumerate. But the reason I mention that here is because Amos, who again is this Navi that's not so commonly referred to, somehow is on that list of the eight princely neshamas of Klal Yisrael.
1: That's interesting, because nobody names their kid almost. No, that's true. You know what oh, I mean? Right. If this is like a special neshama, you think like that my pasnitzva sin- haftorah was from. I almost. bet in Eretz Yisrael there's an almost around there. So I'm sure, sure. I'm somewhere. sure there's some, but is there.
0: not it's, a not a, it's not a no, no, it's not on common. On there, it's not common. It's not common. Well, maybe if we understand that the name almost means to stutter, that might be a deterrent.
1: Might not be a good sinner.
0: Okay. Be that as it may, he is number 13 on our list. Right? Okay. Which brings us to number 14. And now we're going to get to a very famous name. We've been through a little bit of the quieter names on our list. Uh, now we come to one of the greatest Nevi'im. One of the most famous Nevi'im and one of the greatest Nevi'im. And I'm talking about the Navi
1: Yahu?
0: No. But Yeshayahu. The Navi Yeshayahu. Um, and he's called Gadol HaNevi'im. From, uh, definitely in his era, uh, the greatest of neviim. Now, what's unique about the prophecies of Yeshayahu, more so than any other prophet, is that he's always prophesizing about Mashiach. Most of the greatest and most beautiful prophecies about the coming of Mashiach are from the nevuos of Yeshayahu. Many of the haftoras that we say throughout the year are from the nevuos of Yeshayahu. You talk about, you know, the famous ideas whether the uh, of the uh, the wolf lying with the lamb. That's going to be Yeshayahu. Umalah ha'ares deyas Hashem. The the world will be filled with knowledge of Hashem. That's Yeshayahu um, to uh, beat the uh, plow the swords into plowshares. The greatest nevuas about Mashiach are Yeshayahu. The great um, haftarah that we say in Achron Shel Pesach all about Mashiach is from Yeshayahu. And in fact, the name Yeshayahu is from the word Yeshua, which is all about salvation. And though he lived in a difficult time. And Yeshayahu did not live in a beautiful time for Klal Yisrael. It was in this, again, this time of different kings and kingdoms and idolatry and all the bad things going on. Um, Nevertheless, um, Yeshayahu is seen as the Navi HaGeula, the Navi of Redemption. Although all prophets talked about redemption, but no one quite as much as Yeshayahu. And he is number fourteen in our list of transmission of the Torah. Um, in fact, I don't know, I mean, you know, sad stories are sad stories, so I don't want to dwell on them, but Yeshayahu actually dies in a very sad way.
1: Oh, I remember that story. Do you? Yes. Was <laughs> it chizkiyahu No, who was it?
0: You're, you're right, you're right. Yeah, Chiz- Yeshayahu's daughter marries King chizkiyahu Because
1: chizkiyahu had a nebuah that his Child mm-hmm. is well, gonna be a Russia.
0: That's correct. Very so good. So
1: he so, so Yeshayahu said Okay. So Yishayahu said um, to Chizkiyahu, you're you know, you're not feeling well, you have to get married. I'll, and he's so then Chizkiyahu said to Yeshayahu, give me your daughter. Maybe in that I I won't have a, a Russia for a son. That's correct. So so, okay.
0: Okay, that so let me say this: fact. Chizkiyahu is Chizkiyahu is a king, is a king of yeah, the Jewish he, people.
1: But then that kid went and killed his grandfather. Okay. Then he killed Chizki- His Grandson he killed his grandfather. <laughs> exactly. yeah. Okay.
0: One of the great kings of Malchus Beis David was that Chizkiyahu. Where, when did he live? In this In this period, we're we're middle of the we're middle of the era, the first Beis Hamikdash. I don't have my years down. we I'm going to say 250 years into the first Beis HaMikdash, give or take 20, 30 years. Okay. Chizkiyo was one of the great kings of the Jewish people, a tremendous tzaddik. Okay. To the extent that the Gemara says, Bikesh Baruch Hu Mashiach. Chizkiyo was a person that had the ability and the uh, soul powers to actually be the final Mashiach of the Jewish people, but for whatever reasons, he wasn't, we weren't worthy of being redeemed at that time. Chizkiyahu prophetically knew that his son was going to be a terrible Russia, and therefore he decided he's not going to have children. That's an easy way to make sure that his son doesn't make any problems. And Chizkiyo didn't marry because he wasn't going to have children. So the Navi Yahu tells Chizkiyahu, "You have to have children," but Chizkiyo says, "But my son's going to be a Russia. I know." And Yeshayo tells Chizkiyot in, in a very, very deep concept, which he says, your, that's not your business. Your business is not to look at the future and try to change plans. Your business is to do the mitzvah that Hashem has given you to do. And if you have to have a child, you have to have a child. What the child is going to do, how history is going to play its course, that's Hashem's business. And Yeshayo tells Chizkiyot famously, it's not your business to mess with Hashem's plans you have to do what's incumbent upon you to do obviously a very difficult message and very powerful message and it gets even more difficult because the king Chizkiyot tells Sheo, really? I should get married? then you know what? give me your, your daughter if, I'm ma- if you think that I should get married even though I'm telling you prophetically I'm going to have a son who's a terrible um, evil person will you give me your daughter? and Yisheu and and says yes wasn't he sick at the
1: time? he was him? he
0: was when so did... the king Chizkiyot had become ill and Yishayo says, if you don't marry, you're going to die. Ultimately, so the king, Chishio, marries the Novi Yeshayahu's daughter. And they have that son. And that son does turn out to be one of the worst people in the Jewish um, history, named Menasha, who ultimately at the, is going to turn around and kill his grandfather, the Navi Yeshayahu. Oh, God. So Chishio knew what he was talking about. When he said that my son is going to be a Russia, he wasn't seeing things wrong. And nevertheless, the Navi says, we have to go on and do what we have to do. A very powerful lesson for life in general. We're not going to go in that direction. Point being, our number 14 in our link is, in our chain that is, link number 14 in our chain, is the great and famous Yishayahu, the Navi of Geula, although it didn't come to be in his time.
1: Now, if he's Ge'ahu, is he a prophet also?
0: Yes, he's a prophet and a king, but not on this list.
1: Yeah, but wouldn't you think you
0: have to listen to a prophet? Who that? Who would have to listen? Everybody, if
1: you're to, if you get a prophecy that you shouldn't have children. It's no, no, no.
0: He didn't get a prophecy not to have children. The prophecy was his son was going to be a Russia. That's it. So therefore, he t- said, "Well, if my son's going to be a Russia, I'm not going to have children."
1: Oh, Hashem didn't say don't have children. No, not at all.
0: Hashem didn't tell him at all not to have children. It's just that he knew through prophetic powers what's going to be, and therefore he wanted to circumvent that. And that's where Yishayel comes in and says, that's not our job. Our job is not to figure out and, and act accordingly. Okay, which brings us to number 15, on, uh, in our, uh, link number 15, and that is a much lesser uh, known name, and that is the prophet Micha, who is also one of the Trey Asar. Well, he's also one of those uh, 12 books. I said we're going to have seven out of the 12 are going to be on this list, of the transmission of Torah. That is the prophet Micha. Suffice it to say, he's from the Shevet Yehuda. Um, not all were, as I've mentioned, different from different Shvat, and from Asher, and from Reuven. Um, Can I ask a question? I, I don't re- I don- one second. I don't remember if I said that Amus was from Shevet Asher. Did I mention that? No, I don't recall. No. But he was. But Micha is from the Shevet Yehuda. Um, also prophecies, a lot of rebuke, telling the people about the impending Khurban. Um, And he is, again, one of the Treyasar, and that is the prophet Micha. Micha is a pretty common name in Tanakh, Mm -hmm. but it's only one in the name of the prophets, and that's a book of the Treyasar, is by his name Micha, and he is number 15 in our list of the transmission of Torah Shemalpeh. Yes.
1: Yeah, so my question is this. Why are we talking about the Treyasars before when, wasn't Yishayahu before the Treyasar?
0: L- Not necessarily The Trey Asar Wasn't okay. in one period of time necessarily oh. It's just a number of prophets That had very few prophecies And therefore they were put into that book Okay But their their reign Or their uh, era Really spans the time of the, of the prophets Okay Okay mm-hmm. Okay Brings us to number 17 Another 16, one 16 16 Thank you very much <laughs> uh, And that is another one of the Trey Asar And his name was Yoel Yoel Um hmm.
1: That
0: name? You ever heard that name? <laughs> <laughs> well, the uh, Satmer Yoel is a very big name. The previous uh, Satmer you, Rebbe that's was Yoel. Well, that's that, Yoel. And, and in the yes. we have Rebbe Yoel, Rebel Khan, who's the Rebbe's yeah. uh, primary wow. scribe, teacher of the Rebbe's Torah. So Yoel is the name of one of the prophets and one of the tre Usar, and he was a teacher of Klal Interestingly, I have to say this just because how everything connects. According, I'm sorry? said with the what? The teacher of Torah in his time of Klal Yisrael, according to one opinion in the Medrash, and Rashi brings this: Yoel was actually a son of Shmuel Hanavi. Go back in history; um, you might recall from the story of Shmuel that Shmuel's sons didn't really go in his ways. Um, the Jewish people had complaints of Shmuel's sons that they weren't on the level of Shmuel as, and they weren't following exactly in his footsteps. And that was a critique that was leveled against Shmuel. Nevertheless, according to the Medrash, excuse me, one of his sons named Yoel, actually later in life did a complete shuva and became a Navi and teacher of Klal Yisrael. So not all opinions, but that is definitely an opinion in Medrash and one that Rashi brings in the beginning of Yoel, that he was a um, that he was son of Shmuel. Um, one of the famous things about Yoel is that in his time he prophesied that Hashem is going to punish the Jewish people with a plague of locusts, Mm -hmm. a plague of arba of locusts. That is, he says, never has there been in history and never will there be such a plague of locusts in the land of Israel. And that prophecy happened in his time. It caused a terrible famine. In fact, we know of the plague of locusts that happened in Mitzrayim, one of the 10 plagues. And the other says that never again will there be such a plague. Exactly. So Rashi, in, so Rashi, so Rashi, so Rashi and Chomish asks that doesn't there seem to be a contradiction? Mm-hmm. Because Moshe Rabbeinu says that the locusts of Egypt, there will never be such a plague. And fast forward to the book of Yoel in the Treaser. And he says there never was He's such a plague. Nice. And Rashi says, as you said correctly, that in the time of Moshe Rabbeinu, there was only one type of locust. So never was there a plague of that one locust ever in history. In Yoel's time, it was all different types of locusts. I think he says at least four different types of locusts. Now, why that would make a big difference, I don't know. But (laughs) nevertheless, each one had something unique about it. And that was a prophecy rebuke that, I guess, is famous from the time of Yoyel, which, again, didn't happen before or afterward. Um, And that brings us to number 17. Another one of the Treyasar, and his name is Nahum Now, Nachum is a name that you have nowadays. You have Yoel's, and you have Nachums. So some names for some reason you have, have you know carried the test of time, some didn't. Um Nochum was one of the Treyasar. A Navi. He was a Navi, was a definitely a Navi. One of the interesting prophecies that Nahum prophesized was against the city of Ninveh. Now, here's something interesting. Nochem was not the first one who dealt with Ninveh.
1: Avram did too. No! Sorry, Yonah.
0: Yonah, right. So you have Yona, the famous story of Maftir Yonah, which, is, which Yonah is not on our list. Yona is not one of...
1: I was thinking of Nimrod. Yonah is not oh, one of, of, what, not one
0: of this list. But <laughs> the story that we read on Yom Kippur, Ben where Hashem tells Yonah to go and prophesize the city of Ninveh, which was this great huge city... That they're very evil, and if they don't do tshuva, they will be destroyed. Yonah runs away and he's swallowed by the fish, etc. etc. Ultimately, Yonah goes to Nineveh, and he tells them, Hashem is going to destroy you. So they do tshuva. But that's the end of the story in Tanah, in, in that, in the story of Yonah. Later, though, they went back to their ways. So this is later. Nahum is already past, post the story of Yonah. And Yonah, um, Nahum is going to prophesize the downfall of Ninveh. Now, Nineveh is the great city of Ashur, of Assyria. Right? The Assyrians are the ones who not long ago, in our story,
1: <laughs> exiled,
0: exiled the ten tribes. Oh. Sancheiriv, uh-huh. the king of Assyria, exiled the ten tribes. And they, we haven't heard from them really since, and maybe little trickles. But the ten tribes were, were exiled from the Jewish people, and the great city of Ashur, the greatest city of the kingdom of the Assyrians, was Ninveh. So at this point, Nahum is saying that this Ninveh, who exiled the ten tribes, is going to be destroyed by Hashem. And the truth is that shortly thereafter, Nebuchadnezzar. King of Bavel arises on the scene. And the first thing he does is destroys Ninveh. Before he starts with the Jewish people. Am I, am I saying too many things here? So no, Ninveh, like got Ninveh is the Assyrian kingdom who exiles the ten tribes. The Navi Nahum is going to prophesize their destruction. And that's going to happen shortly thereafter when Nebuchadnezzar rises to the power of Babel. Babel is going to become the new superpower. They're, over, Yon, they're going to overthrow... And Yonah was before this? Yes. And and, and the Babylonians are, over, are going to overthrow the Assyrians. And the first one to fall is going to be Ninveh, which was not long after the prophecies of Nahum about the downfall of Ninveh. So um he
1: wants to destroy
0: Ninveh. I'm sorry. Why did
1: Nebuchadnezzar want to destroy
0: him? Because he to take over yeah, he because broke. Nebuchadnezzar, thats the way it was What's in that time. That, that yeah, Nebuchadnezzar became the the biggest ruler in the world in his time, and the ruler before him was the Assyria. The way it works in, in, this, in, the, in the basic history of that time is that there was the ruler, and then when the next ruler came around, they th- overthrew the earlier one. So there was the Assyrians, and then there was the Babylonians, and then there was the Persians, and then there was the Medes, and then there was the the Greeks, and then there was the Romans. Each one totally uprooted and got rid of the one before. So the where, Jewish people were always caught in the middle, but they were never the superpower. Right. I mean, maybe in the time of Shlomo but aside from that.
1: Where, where was... Uh... Uh, Yona in this where was Is before Yonah, how much before because well, didn't he go and tell the people to repent, and repent? yes 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 but, yes so they were bad yes. again
0: yes that's what i said before that jonah had already done his thing and they repented and then they went back to their evil ways
1: you've never heard people do it no i'm just wondering how long it was <laughs> he went, i don't know the exact so, years so where did he send the <laughs> 10 tribes to
0: so, okay, the story, the Ten Tribes is a so subject for itself and there's different opinions about that. Right. If they were just assimilated everywhere or, or certain like magical places, there's different opinions. There isn't one clear consensus that I know of. Um, there's whole shiurim, whole books written about the Ten Tribes and different theories. There's no clear answer to that the question.
1: Are considered to be them to? Like, was there a place where So that that alone yes. is the,
0: question. That, that alone is the question. that alone is the a question. question. No, the, the general idea is that um, Sancheiriv. Who was the one who ex who is the head, who is the king of Assyria, and he exiled the ten tribes. His basic way of warfare when he conquered a place was to just take all the people and exile them. Just get them all over the place. And that way they assimilate, and therefore they're not a nation anymore. So the the most accepted and the most um easy to understand. Uh, version of what happened is he just took them and sent them to the four corners of the earth.
1: They should do that with the Arabs and, <laughs> and Gaza. And that'd be a good mm-hmm. yeah. Historically, that's what was always done. We just live in a time where you can't do that. <laughs> it's not <laughs> peace, and you can't do that. Yeah, but no, also, are we all from Sheba Yehuda, n- Not necessarily. No. There no, was, I thought that.
0: Well, that's, the, the, that's, okay, there's Yehuda and Binyamin <laughs> and yeah. Levi. But even with them, there was always left over from all the tribes. The two primary tribes that stayed in Yerushalayim was Yehuda and Binyamin Mm -hmm. and part of Shevet Levi. And then you had, you know, a sprinkling of everyone. So really there's, one could be from anyone, though the two largest factions most likely are Yehuda and Binyamin. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, number 18.
1: So when they say they found this lost tribe in Ethiopia or or whatever, (laughs)
0: It makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense that that maybe a large concentration ended up there, mm-hmm. and there's many times a lot of minhagim of klali yisrael that they retained. It makes a lot of sense. The only thing is that they were talking about thousands of years of assimilation and proof. You, have to proof, you know,
1: told you it was part of the ten We have.
0: Yeah. no, there, it, 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 it. it's very logical it's a very, lo- it's a very logical yeah. concept in general in Eretz Yisrael when you have large groups that come from such places These the, the position the yeah. falashas and others yeah. the position of the chief Rabbinate has always been that they should go through what we call a gir l'chumrah because we don't, we don't know you don't know for sure and even if it was Is we're talking about in a in few thousand, thousand, years, thousand years, years so much assimilation could have happened years, and who months. knows and there's no clear history and therefore there will be Megayr um, but with the understanding that it's passable of the Jewish without the gear. But that's mm-hmm. called the gear of right. In Japan, they
1: learned the Mara, you know, so where did that come from? Sure. So. It doesn't
0: I. have to be from well, the from of joke, history of their okay. nation. It could be they just like the idea.
1: Um, yeah, you know, it could be there's intellectual there's, pursuit. So people so we in have India that from, from, from people who have, who have decided who have done their research and decided that they come from the inquisition. Well, for they
0: sure. they still have same to go thing. through... Same idea. Same idea. Same idea. As you say, the same and again, language. it's perfectly logical <laughs> that it's true. Sure. And yet, we want to make sure. Okay. Bringing us to number 18. Right? Yeah. Um, yes. Number 18 is a, is also one of the Trey Usser, as most of these last few have been. Just to review with you, the ones that we mentioned from the Trey Usser so far are Hosea, and Amos, and Micha. Yoel Nachum, that's who we mentioned so far. And now we're number 18, which is number who is number six from the Treyasr, is Chavakuk. Chavakuk, who was a Navi. Um, we read um, from the Chavakuk Haftorah we read from the book of Chavakuk, Chavakuk has some very interesting visions that he discusses in his um in his Nivua, in his in the Treyasr. There is an interesting Zohar that I want to share with you just because it's a very interesting one, and that is that the Zohar tells us that Chavakuk was the son of the the Isha Hashunamis, the woman from Shunam. Who's that? That's the one who Elisha revived her son mm-hmm. from death. Okay. Initially, we have name again, and her name. I don't know if it says her name It says uh, Isha Hashunamis She was called the woman from the city of Shunam We just read the story of her Haftarah Last week in Shul And she initially She was a wealthy woman And she had a special home Where Elisha was able to stay Whenever he came to that city And Elisha asked her What can I bench you with? What can I bless you with? And she said I have everything, whatever Turns out she didn't have a child Or she didn't have a son at least And Elisha benched her with a son And he said that another year at chovekes Bain, that you will hug chovek is to hug a child, and she had a son, and a couple years later that son became ill and died, and that's where the Torah tells us, the Navi tells us one of the great miracles where Elisha um, was able to perform a uh, uh, <laughs> resuscitation and bring the child back to life. So the Zohar says that child whom Elisha brought back to life that is Chavakuk Hanavi Mm -hmm. and it says that the word Chavakuk is a double hug Chibuk Chavakuk is a double hug what's the double hug? A because Elisha told her that you will hug your son in a year Mm -hmm. and B when he died Elisha hugs him and takes him in and breathes into his mouth and that breathes in life that's the double hug the hug that his mother is going to hug him when he's born, and the hug that Elisha hugs this child when he passes he's away. Like
1: breathing into his mouth. It's like mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. Yeah, oh, except okay. that he had
0: passed away already. Typically, that doesn't work. Um, and, but that's how. The, then this is straight from the Zohar that tells us that that's where the name Chavakuk comes from, and that's the story behind his birth. That he is that special child. That we have an entire chapter of the Navi both about the bracha of his birth, as well as the bracha of his. Um, Resurrection, um, Chavakuk is mentioned in Tanya. Um,
1: Nobody ever names their kid that either. <laughs> there's a there's a, there's a, there's a store in Jerusalem that sells art supplies. It's called Chavakuk. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> Good. And Tanya, go in Tanya,
0: guys. In Tanya, he brings a a statement from the Gemara that the Gemara says that although there's 613 mitzvot, Chavakuk came and said that. If you do mm-hmm. one, that's the key to do everything, and that is emuna. Chavakuk said, Vitsadik be'emunaso yichye." A tzadik, hem, Chavakuk Hanavi tz- said, "Tzadik beemunaso yichye." A tzadik lives with his emuna, and the way the Alter Rebbe explains that in Tanya, in chapter thirty-three. Is that when a person has true amunah, that gives a person such simcha that whatever difficulties, whatever challenges life will face, a person is able to ride straight over them. When one has the true simcha that comes from the true amuna, recognizing that Hashem is in everything and behind everything and in, and in control of everything, then no matter what happens when one holds on tight to that. It's like holding on to a safety, holding on to a raft, that one is able to deal with everything. And that's what Chavakuk said. When one has true emuna, yichya, one can live with simcha, with courage, through whatever, wherever life is going to take them and whatever life deals with us, because we know and appreciate and understand that Hashem is right there behind us and Hashem is right there carrying us and giving us the keiches to deal with whatever situation it is. And that is from Chavakuk Hanovi, who again is number 18 on our list.
1: Right, yeah. it's I mean, was... There's also Alicia who was at Sadek, and he at Benozaan. He was able to make Gichia
0: also. True, true, true. Okay, number nineteen. I want to get through number twenty at least. Um, <laughs> <laughs> number nineteen is another one of the Treyasar. The last of the Treyasar on our list.
1: Chavakog was a Treyasar?
0: He was, okay. and that is going to be Sifania. Um, you
1: didn't
0: say Tzephaniah already? I, well, I did mention his name. Good. I didn't say him in our list yet. I mentioned his name as one of the eight princes of the Jewish oh, people. Okay. Right? There was one other... Who else on our list was one of those uh, um, eight? Uh, Amos. Um, so Amos was on that list. Shmuel was on that list. So we had a few on that list. And another one is Tzfania. Um He's from Shevet Yehuda. And... He is a descendant from Chizkiyahu the king. Remember, Chizkiyahu says, "I don't want to have any children because my son will be a Russia." And he was right; his son was a terrible Russia. And yet, he had descendants who are going to be his successors, and that's Hashem's plan. So he wasn't going to get married because I don't want to have a Russia. And he was told, "No, you have to get married, and you will have a Russia, but you're also going to have a Tzefania." you're also going to have a continuation, whereas if you don't get married and you have no children, then there is no continuation at all. You so... Can have that Rasha first? Yes. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So, but Tsefania is a descendant of his, and he is one of the Nevi'im who prophesies right before the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. Um, in this, in the last era of the first Beis HaMikdash, we're told, the Gemara says, that there were three Nevi'im, who prophesized the destruction. Yirmiyahu. Yirmiyahu, Tsefanya, and Hulda who was a woman, a prophetess. Mm-hmm. And the Gemara says, Yirmiyahu prophesized it in the streets and the marketplace. Sefanya prophesized in the shuls and in the Batimidrashim, and Hulda for the women. And those were three together that had the very terrible job, very difficult job, of telling Kalal Yisrael, this is your last, this is the last chance, or else we lose the Beis Mikdash and we have the Churbim Beis HaMikdash, and they weren't heeded, and the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed. But Sifanya was the one who was in the shuls, and in the Batimidrashim, and he was the one prophesizing about that destruction, again, together with Khulda Hanaviyah, the Prophetess Khulda for the women, and Yirmi Yo. but he is number 19 on this list. And that is followed immediately by number twenty. His disciple was a, f- a famous navi. The sad, the saddest of the naviim is Yirmiyahu. Okay. Yirmiyahu is known as the navi HaKhurban. His prophecies are all about Khurban. In fact, the name Yirmiyahu has the letters of Mar, which is bitterness. Yirmiyahu was born on Tishah um, b'av. cursed the day he was born and said he was born on Tishah b'av. He was born on that day of negative energies. Um tremendous tzaddik, but someone who was shunned by the Jewish people. They didn't listen to him. The Jewish people imprisoned him because he was prophesizing their some destruction. Of the thing on his back. At certain points, uh, Yermyo was a lengthy Navi. Like and he wrote God. the Echa, the Lamentations that we read on B'Av, were written by Yermiyo. First he wrote them, and then they were burnt, and then he wrote them again. Um, when when Yisrael was, when the Basemikis was destroyed, and they went out to Golos, Yermyo took the the um, the king the um, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon said, "Don't imprison Yirmiyahu because he knew he's a man of God, a prophet. Don't take him into exile." But Yirmiyahu went with the Jewish people and put the uh, chains on his shoulder and says, "I'm going with my people into Golos into exile." And he went with them until Hashem comes and tells, "You, you have to go back to Yerushalayim with the remnants of the Jewish people over there." Um, and that's that's the story of Jerusalem. the story of Yirmiyahu who was that prophet of of Churban and lived in that difficult time but that was his mission from Hashem to do it as difficult and as painful as it was for him and he is number tw- 20 on our list and I think we're going to stop here and we will continue next week in Hashem Bundy night with number 21 near Miyahu's successor oh, hi, um, I, I just want to say I want I want to make clear again we're, this we're not learning the story of all the prophets there's many prophets that aren't mentioned here so we're getting a lot of snippets of prophets. Mm-hmm. But we are focused on the Balei HaMasurah, those who were in charge, not just of being prophets, but of teaching the Torah, and they were teacher and student. And therefore, again, we're picking up a lot of prophets, but this is really not... There's many names of great prophets that don't make it to this list, but these were the ones who were in charge of the transmission of Torah generation to generation. And really, tonight, we got until the Khurban Beis HaMikdash, the destruction of the first Beis HaMikdash, which means that we're talking now almost a thousand years after the giving of, well, about 900 years, about 900 years from the giving of Torah. And that, that's these 20 generations that's behind us. And again, we will continue from there next week.
1: You said you would, and it only took two sessions to do it. To do what? You'd go this far. Yeah,
0: you're I said, I said you're it. Going
1: to get to